Good afternoon. Welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And today's topic is from is First Peter chapter 2, God's Holy Priests. That's an interesting title. Okay, I'll go with that. Well, I have a question right ahead. Well, let's just get into it. Or do you well, want to talk about priests? No, go ahead. I'm going to talk about priests. I'm going to talk about something else a little bit later on, but I'm saving that for you. No, you're very secretive. You I know. found that other Bible, and you're like, "Ooh, that's what I thought it was." Yes, I'm looking through some of my Greek and and, and translation so, stuff. So he's so learned. Yeah, right. I can <laughs> look it up in a book. You Not know, claiming hey, to be any great theologian. You know I'm what? Just looking things about up. that. What's that? I don't think kids know how to use dictionaries anymore. Not that well. I try to teach them in my classroom, but not that much. So. And they don't even know what encyclopedias are. No, they don't they need to. Except they think it's Wikipedia. They don't need to. It's just Google. Oh, okay. All right. So let's just, we're going to First Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to read the first three verses. Okay. Because I'm... Yeah, that's kind of, it's interesting because it starts with the word therefore. So right? it's kind of a tie-in to one. Yes, and the people who put the chapters in, I wonder why didn't they... Why did they break here? Yeah. But uh-huh. it's okay. So maybe it's just, it's like, they say if you write novels, have a cliffhanger at the end and start right in at the next chapter. Probably not the reason, but... Probably. Probably? But, okay, here's... Okay, go ahead. Let me finish with one. I'll okay. Ju- I'll just read the last few verses of okay. one. Because verse, or chap- chapter two starts with the word therefore. So what's it, what's the therefore mean? Well, in the end of chapter 1, Peter was speaking, and he um, he goes into, let's see, I believe, Isaiah, Isaiah mm-hmm. and quotes him, All people are like grass, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So, uh, 23 says, For you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable. Right, so it's and that's about the, the gospel life. that was made. Yeah. yeah. So since you were born again, now we start into chapter okay. two. So, and I'm reading from the message. So clean house. This is chapter two. So clean house. Make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy and hurtful talk. You've had a taste of God. Now, like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness. Then you'll grow up mature and whole in God. Interesting. Well, and then another New English translation says, you'll grow if you've experienced the Lord's kindness. I wanted to look at that. So, okay. The NIV says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up, up, that you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So I like that, the tasted that the Lord is tasted good. Tasted the Lord is good. So like why, the, here's my question, because I, I thought this would be interesting to talk about. Why do we need... To, to experience God's goodness and kindness to grow. Because that's really what it's saying. Well, because I think, at least the way I'm looking at it, if you start back on chapter 1 and he says, now that you've been born again, you're a baby. Right. So now understand the blessing and the goodness that you were born into Mm. and grow into that. Mm. And if you did not have an understanding that God is good, why would you grow that direction? It's not just the salvation, it's the growth beyond that. It's like like an attraction to God, in a sense. I'm thinking, like, let's say you, you, um, if you get to, like, me and you, like, 
we really only went on one date before we were married. But let's say we didn't. We went on more than one date. The first date, oh, I like you. And then you were kind to me, so I want to know more about you. Well, we'll spend more time with you. Yeah, well, kind to of. an that extent. Was, but I think the analogy that he uses here is babies. Mm-hmm. When a newborn baby cries, only one thing satisfies it. Mm-hmm. His mama's milk. Yep. His mama. Mm-hmm. And you can't fake it. You try and fake it, and it's no, because they know better. They know what they want, and they know what they need, mm-hmm. and they only get, they're only satisfied with what they need. And Peter is saying, oh, what you be need. satisfied with what you need. Yes. Crave what you need. Crave what you need. And what you need is spiritual milk. You need to. It needs to be spiritual, not physical, not um, emotional. Not not anything else. You're supposed to clear yourselves of deceit and malice and hypocrisy and envy. Get rid of all those things and just crave the Spirit. Mm. Crave God. Mm. That's good. I, I'm thinking of, uh, I remember when Weston was still a baby, our grandson. I mean, mm-hmm. baby, baby, the first month or so. I remember Robert being frustrated because Weston only wanted our daughter because his mama yeah. And I remember telling Cheyenne, I said, just tell Robert to be patient. Once he gets older and, you know, he, he develops more, he'll want more than just mom. And now he's just a huge, well, mommy and daddy's boy, but he just loves his dad. Mm-hmm. But so uh, okay, so, so let's go through the next four through. Let's do four through eight. Yes, four okay. through eight. I'll read those out of the NIV here. Okay. <clears throat> As you come to him, the living stone. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a royal, holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Mm, That's good. I like Mm -hmm. how the message says at the very end there, For the untrusting, it's a stone to trip over, a boulder blocking the way. They trip and fall because they refuse to obey, just as predicted. If we don't obey, we're going to stumble over Jesus. Sure. Because he's just right there. I mean... You can't get around them. I mean, you're just going to trip and fall over them. But do you think that's, that's, it must be for everyone. Yeah, I think that's available for everybody. I don't think, I I don't see predestination. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, like, let's say, like, for us believers, Mm -hmm. people who have accepted Jesus, if I do wrong and I refuse to obey God, I mean, Jesus is just staring at, staring me right in the face. I mean, I can't. Right. But I think that's I think that applies to everybody because, you know, when uh, asked about the greatest commandments, Jesus said there were only two. One is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, Mm -hmm. and secondly, love your neighbor as yourselves. So if those are the two precepts that cover Mm -hmm. all laws, as Jesus said, uh, anyone who goes against God is going to stumble over that. It's going to be a problem for them, um, and that includes us as Christians. Right. But I think it includes everyone. I think everyone—that is the standard set for humanity by God. 
And you can't and go against your nature. No, and if people, you do, and even non-believers will tell you that that is a righteous standard. Mm-hmm. Even non-believers will say that's that's good. Mm-hmm. And most of our Western societies um, were founded upon the principles mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So even if a non-believer accepts that that's the truth. They cannot truly love God without love of Jesus because Jesus is the truth, way of the truth and the life. So that becomes something they stumble over. Mm. If they don't go to Jesus, they're not mm. going to make it to God, mm-hmm. even if they know better. Mm-hmm. Right. As not believe, as non-believers, that non-believers aren't necessarily ignorant of no. the truth. Oh no, they most of them are very aware of the truth. Most of them are raised in truth. Now, whether they are believers themselves is is an individual thing. So. Mm-hmm. Individual responsibility is unfortunately lacking in our society, and people are um, are someday going to have to pay the cost for that. Finding excuses. Right. But there are none for God. I mean, you know, to disobey. So I'm going to read 9 and 10. Well, let's just, I want to just go into this just a little bit, because it talks about a cornerstone. Oh, you want to you want to talk about the cornerstone? Yeah, go for it. As you come to him, the living stone, it says, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. There's a lot of meaning there. Um, a cornerstone, historically in architecture, is a perfectly dressed, perfect stone with perfect dimensions that is placed first in the foundation, mm. and then every other stone on it's oriented the way you want you oriented your building. Everything is kind. And then everything else goes off of that one point. Mm-hmm. That one stone sets the sets the dimensions and the angles of everything else on the building. Mm-hmm. So you're very, very picky about that one. Right. In between the corners, you can put in whatever stones you want. Mm-hmm. But that one cornerstone has to be perfect or everything will fall down. Right. No matter, no matter what else you put on there, if you don't have the cornerstone set correctly... The foundation will give, and the foundation gives, the, the, the building comes down. So Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, those cornerstones, from a mason standpoint, would be very carefully selected. Mm-hmm. They want perfection. Right. They pick something that's perfect. Mm-hmm. And it says the world rejected. The world looked at, at the cornerstone and says, we don't want that one. Mm-hmm. And God said, no, that's the, one you, that's the one I want. That's the one you get. So, so uh, chosen by God and precious to him. And then it says, you are also living stones to be built up into a spiritual house. Mm -hmm. So we are following the direction of the cornerstone and building that spiritual house. We are are building on to the house that Jesus started. That is our goal. And that's what Peter's talked about as he talks to all believers here. Because this was, uh, again, he was talking to the diaspora. He was talking about to the believers that were scattered all over the place. He's speaking generically to all believers and saying, you are living stones. Mm-hmm. You're being built into a spiritual house for a purpose of building the temple of God. Well, it, A royal so, priesthood. Mm-hmm, the other thing, it, I totally agree with everything you said, but also when you're talking, I thought everything we do, we have to start with that cornerstone, even mm-hmm. personally. Right. Because... If we start from a different point other than Jesus, it's not gonna, it's not gonna gel. With it doesn't line up. No, nope, it doesn't line no. up. And then I was thinking of Hebrews twelve two when you said that. Hebrews twelve two says, um, and actually, um, this is from the New American Standard, and whoever wrote the titles of the chapters, uh-huh. they called this uh, chapter twelve as Jesus the example. So it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, consider him, and then we know which way to go. Right. He is the reference point to start from. To everything. So even right. if we have questions about who we are, we'll start with who you are in Jesus and then go from there. And Because uh, that one seems to be a big one these days. Who right. am I? And in that concept with the, with the cornerstone, um, you know, if I was measuring the height of the building, I would start from the cornerstone. If I'm measuring the width, I'd measure the cornerstone. If I'm measuring the windows, everything comes from the cornerstone. Everything starts at that one point. So, uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, if we look through the lens of Jesus, if we start there, then everything else falls into place. And if we don't start there... Mm-hmm. There was a... I don't have... I just remember C.S. Lewis writing this, and it's... I don't know what it's from. It's probably from your Christianity. But he said something about, like, okay, so there's two roads. Let's say we take the wrong road. He said you can't make the wrong road right. You have to go back and mm-hmm. then take the other road. We can't just kind of try to okay, I'm on the wrong road, and I don't want to go back, so I'll just try to figure out another way, and it just doesn't work. Right. You just go back to where you started and begin again. It's a lot easier. So, I mean, I've taken one of those shortcuts that end up being, like, add three hours to your trip. Yep. Okay. Listen to Jesus, not your GPS. Okay. All right, I want to read 9 and 10. And this is why we, well, I, Shannon said I could. I, this is why we're calling it God's holy priests, because this is what he says, 9 and 10. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. So I thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun or interesting. You were you were raised Catholic, mm-hmm. and you'd been around priests a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to Catholic school a couple of years, so, you know. And we all have, like, the stereotypical ideas of what a priest should and shouldn't be. But Or even from Peter's perspective, we look at the, the temple priests, the Levites. Right. So, like, what does it mean when he says a priest? What do you think? Well, if you think... And you could go to uh, Catholicism, or you could go back to you know, Israel here. Um, the priest's full-time job mm-hmm. was in the service of God in the temple. Mm, the that was their full-time God. job. Yep. That's all mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. And no one else had that job but the priest. You could not be a priest unless you were in the family of Levi and you were a full-time priest. That's mm-hmm. it. You You weren't a priest and... Uh, a farmer. Mm-hmm. You were a priest. That was it. And no one else was a priest. Mm-hmm. Only those certain select few were involved in the priesthood. No one else was allowed to be involved in the priesthood. No one else was expected to be involved in the priesthood. And no one else was permitted to be in that part of the priesthood. So the difference, I think what Peter's talking about here is each of us is a priest. This changes the whole concept. Yes. This this blows that all out of out of out of um, whack of what people had normally thought because each of us is required to serve within that that role. Each of us live our lives in service to God. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In other words, no matter what your background was, no matter who your parents were, no matter what nation you came from, no matter what tribe you came from, no matter where in the world you are, you are considered to be a part of the chosen people of God. When you accept Christ, you you are accepted into the family. Mm-hmm. And the greatest priest, of course, is Christ. So right. we are brothers of Christ, puts us into the priesthood. And that's every one of us. And that's where I think um, it can go astray because people still want to have that that distance where this is who I am and this is what I do on Sunday. Uh-huh. I go listen to somebody on Sunday and then I'm done. That's why. I've done my role. Yes. But that's not the role God's mm-hmm. calling to you here especially in peter it's it's saying that we are all members that's why people still like though and i don't really see it in our church our church is really good at at, you know seeing Mm -hmm. you as just a normal person Mm -hmm. but a lot of times they put the priest or pastor or whoever like oh that's his or her job Mm. i'm too busy this is why we pay her or him to do this and they also have a tendency sometimes to put that pastor on a pinnacle, and instead of looking into the word themselves or anything, they just say what he says. Well, this is what Pastor Shannon said. They mimic what he mimics, and I will never accept that role. No. That's no. not my job. And in addition, um, each one of us is responsible for ourselves, so I can't be responsible for you. Mm-hmm. And if I say that I am, then I think I'm leading you astray. And the Bible talks very specifically about teachers that, are leading astray. So. I do think it's it's interesting. That, <clears throat> okay, so the high calling of priestly work, and we can do anything if, for the in the service of God. We can mm-hmm. do absolutely anything. We can breathe in the service of God. Everything can be done for right. for Jesus, and so it, that would be everything we we do is priestly work. But also, there are specific things like that's why I guess I brought up like Catholicism that people see the priests like they. Um, I know they hear confession, but they perform, uh, you know, ceremonies. They right. they give messages. They they do things like that. And I think, as believers, we do need to put a little reminder in that we do speak for we can speak for God into people's lives. You know, I mean, not saying God told me to say this to you, unless He did. Did but mm-hmm. I I when I was thinking of this, I thought. How can we re, we remember day to day that we are God's priest? And I and I, I know you don't wear one of these. No Baptist minister I think wears them. Maybe they do. The um, the little clerical collar. Yeah. I I, I kind of think you know when someone has one of those collars. I mean, it suddenly changes people who look at them. Oh, yeah. you're yeah. a pastor. Automatically, people identify that. Yeah. But I wonder if. If we had something like that, would that make people more open or more closed to hear about Jesus from us? I guess it would depend. I think it would change people's behavior. Some people like to... uh, Put on a front? Immediately. Like they quit talking the way they normally do? Sure. And... Their attitude changes and everything. And and, and unfortunately, that's usually a whitewashed job over... The yeah. reality of their lives, so they wouldn't be as open. But, but other people would come to you because of that and identify you as a person of, of trust because of the the uniform. The uh-huh. same way they would trust a fireman in uniform mm-hmm. over some guy that walks up and says, "Hey, I can kind of be a fireman today." Right. You know. So but there is a. I guess there's. 
There's a give that, and take there. Yeah, know. there's a there's a trade off there. But I guess part of not that I'm going to start wearing a collar, but I guess that would remind me personally. But then I suppose if you wore it every day, you'd forget you wore it. Yeah. I mean, it just become yeah. like eventually it just becomes the clothes that you wear. Yeah. Yeah. So just I guess like, we just have to remember. Just like the priest. tattoo I got right. on my forearm. I mean, I have a nickness on my forearm here, and that is um, for me. It was it was a it was just a dedication for me to God. Um, also, the concept of anytime I reach, it's on my right forearm, so anytime I reach out to shake hands with somebody, it's right there. Yeah. It's, it's readily identifiable. Just about everybody understands well, that's since Christian you said symbol. said that word, say it again and explain what it is. All right, Nithmus is, is a. Spell that for me. No. Oh. Ichmus? Ichmus. Ithmus. Yes, and it is. I T H U S. No, not even close. I T H M U S. Ithmus? No, no. Ick. Icky. I C K. Um, Ickness. Basically, it's a fish. Um, <laughs> and bas- what it goes back to is, if you go back historically, and of course, the historic... It's not any fish. No. It's not like a bass fish or something. No. It's an ichthys. And I- I-C-H-T-H-Y-S. Ichthys. And it was, um, it was a symbol where in the early church, especially when they were uh, being... Persecuted. It was the symbol of the early church. And if you went up and someone, it was kind of like a secret code. You could draw half of it and the other person had to finish it. Okay. And that yeah. meant, so they identified as a Christian. Um, and it's it's carved into buildings. And, and Ichthys is, is the... Ichthys is the fish you see when people have a fish on there. Right. And it, it's actually a Greek word. So Ichthys. two intersecting arcs. Oh. So you've got one okay. here. And one here. Why did they? Use and they're a like fish? half circle, half circle. That had no. Do you know? I'm not for sure. I guess not we should sure. make something up. It was the fish? It was. A, it was originally a secret symbol, and now it's pretty well known. So. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. All right. All right. So we're all priests. If you believe in Jesus, you're a priest. And I suppose you could start wearing a collar if you wanted to. I suppose. I don't have any desire to. Maybe I'll get you one for Christmas. Yeah, well, don't. Wouldn't it be hilarious? You wore it to church one time? Yeah, it'd be very weird. It would be funny. It would be very weird. They're, they're more comfortable with my Hawaiian shirts than that, I think. I, it's just not a... I think the people at our church would laugh. Well, they probably would laugh, yes, but that's not the point of what I'm supposed to be doing. I know, so. but I do things like that just to get someone to laugh. Like, I know, you do things like that all the time. Like, in our garden, did you see that huge stick I put by the tomato plant? It's like because I, I watched you. I was wandering around trying to push it into the ground. I was out of cages and I needed to put a stick there for the tomato to grow on, and I found this huge one. I don't know what is it, eight feet tall. It looks so stupid, but it's funny. All right. Well, <laughs> we should probably continue on with this. And get Your off chin. The tomatoes. First Peter two. <laughs> yeah, since we're eight verses or nine verses, ten verses. Oh in, boy, and yes. Twenty-three, and there's really so. two sections left. So right, you want to go eleven through oh, just eleven and twelve. No, eleven through sixteen. No, seventeen. 17. Yeah, do that. How about I do eleven through seventeen? Hey, that's a good idea. All right. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may, not, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to, to the emperor or as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. 
For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the people. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Oh, I just love that. Especially this. um, I did like how the message about that. um, The the first. Read 11 again. No. Read 11 again. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Okay, he says, um, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Hmm. I like this. So Sinful desires is indulging an ego. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah. And so, yep. and I also like, I think num- verse 12, that is so pertinent for today. Right. The whole thing, and if we look at it in its entirety from 12 on what I read there, there's a couple of things that are mentioned. Yeah. Um, first of all, it is, we are, in abstaining from sinful desires, we are meant to be respectful to everyone. We are meant to be kind to everyone, and we are meant to be such good representatives of God that people cannot find fault. Mm-hmm. Because they said, you know, um, they they have prejudice, you know, they... Christians can get a bad name. Even. Show respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And it, I think sometimes we, we desperately miss the mark on that. Mm. Our, our goal is not to be condemners, to no. be judges, to be um, separators of any kind. Our job is simply to love God, to serve God, and in walking with God, represent who He is, mm. and I think I think sometimes we miss that a little bit. I think so too, especially our. I just think when they turned that CNN was the first one, twenty four news cycle. I yeah. think that just did it wreaked havoc and continues to wreak havoc on our society, on our world. I think so too. I think that's, I, that's a problem. So if you watch a lot of news, you're just going to get and so much of the time they're just trying to fill space. So anybody can they'll pull in anybody, and they call them an expert because they show up on television. Um, and the same thing happens in Christianity because someone has a radio show, or someone has a television show, yeah. or someone has a pulpit to speak from. Um, people assume that they're authorities, and again, it's like we were talking earlier. Um, if someone like that goes contrary to God in the way Peter's talking about here about showing respect and, and things. If someone goes contrary to God, there it's easy for people to follow them mm-hmm. and lead everyone astray. So yeah, we're supposed to give every human their dignity. I it's, mean, and that's not saying that as a Christian you don't have uh, free will or that you don't have the ability to have free speech or you not have ability to have an opinion or right. to, or to support a certain whatever political yeah. candidate. But we are meant to take the high road. Yes, always take. We're the not high the road. ones throwing mud. So. No. And there's we're always another, supposed to be kind. Right. I mean, there's always. one more thing I want to bring in, yeah. bring up here, as um, because it, it can be a, it could be a little controversial here. Uh huh. Um, in First Peter two sixteen, uh-huh. it says, "Live as free people. Do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves." Well, the first part is easy. Live as free people. Uh-huh. In other words. You, you you are freed through Christ, so you can live in the freedom of that. Mm-hmm. But 
don't take that as as a free pass to do everything, obviously. But right, it says, right. live as God's slaves. Now, that's the word I was looking up in Greek. Okay. It was not the cornerstone. That that word, duros, does not mean slave the way we think of as slaves. Bond servant, huh? It is a bond slave, and there's a difference there. A bond slave is a voluntary mm-hmm. servant. Mm-hmm. A slave is someone who owes or is bought and sold or... In, in this time frame, um, if you went into terrible debt, you could be sold into slavery until your debt was paid off. Mm-hmm. Usually, it was never going to get there. Right. But a bond slave was someone who did work through that and get that paid off. And they chose and was to offered stay. freedom, yeah. and they chose to stay as a servant because the life they had as a servant was better than the life they had when they were free. Mm-hmm. So Peter is telling us in here, we are meant to live as God's bond slaves, as God's servants, voluntary servants who realize we are better being a slave to God mm-hmm. than we are to be free in the world. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to keep our eyes open and realize where we came from, what opportunities God has given us, and live that way now. Right, that's good. And I think that so much of that is missed in translation here, and mm-hmm. people don't understand this concept of a bond slave, but a bond slave is not a negative thing. That is a no, positive it thing. Is it's a, a choice. Thing. Yes. It's a choice that was made. And so. the thing is, that is really the only kind of servanthood we can choose. Because if you're a slave, you don't choose to be a slave to sin. I mean, you don't get a choice. Once you are in sin, only Christ can save you. I mean, you know, free right. you from right. sin and death and all that. So, But just like Jesus served his father, uh, knowing full well what was going to happen to him, we are called to be to servanthood. Mm-hmm. We are called to servanthood. And this, is, and this is if you truly accept Christ, if you truly accept God, then I think that that's who you become. Yep. You become a slave to God. And we Voluntary. All, yep, and we all serve somebody or something. Some right. people serve themselves. Right. And they probably get sick of their master. But, um, okay, I have a point. So the rest of the chapter is 18 through 25. And this mm-hmm. part of second or First Peter chapter 2 reminded me of Philippians 2. Very much so. And I thought that was very much so. Is both chapter twos even the even the bond slave thing there? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how Paul introduces himself. Yeah. In, I, uh, so, um, which book was it? I don't know. At the um, moment. Maybe it was Philippians. No, Romans. Romans. He starts okay. out Romans saying a slave to Jesus. So and he meant that he used the same word. So I want to give a little plug here. If you're interested, I think we already did Philippians. Didn't we do Philippians? Mm-hmm. Chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. And we would love also if you would like to share this with people. I think if you're blessed, others will be blessed. We don't get any money for it. So I'm just saying, you know, Mm -hmm. if you think it's a good thing, maybe somebody else would too. But uh, uh, 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25. Would you like to read that? Oh, okay. Um, Do you want me to read it in that? I'll read it in New American Standard. Let me go to that. My trusty friend had this Bible like for a long time. Probably longer than you've been alive, whoever's listening to this. You're not that old. Well, it depends who's listening. If Gabby's listening. Yeah. I doubt she's listening. If you're listening, Gabby, hello. Uh, Okay, chapter 2, 18 through... 
25. 25. Okay, yep. here we go. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. I like that. The shepherd and guardian of my soul is Jesus. Uh, I do like how the message says, 1 Peter 2.22. He just makes it real simple. He never did one thing wrong. Not once said anything amiss. That's amazing. Never did anything wrong. Right. Didn't say one word wrong. And Peter's taking that actual passage from Isaiah 53. Oh, well, that's... So it is actually pulled from Isaiah. So, um, and he, like uh, Paul, will occasionally throw in... A lot of Isaiah passages. A lot of Isaiah passages. Well, they like Isaiah, which I do too. It's a great book. Read it if you haven't. Uh, I do appreciate how... I think it's funny that Peter does make the point. If you're being treated harshly because you did wrong, that's... You can't really say that's suffering for Jesus. You, You... you deserve that. So I think also he's saying, don't do something like that. Do it right. And that kind of suffering is pleases God because you're being loyal to God and you're putting him before um, not suffering, I guess. Well, Jesus suffered for us and we are called to suffer for him in the same mm-hmm. way. So that's plain and simple. Oh, 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 here, listen. Uh, in... Verse 23 in the message says, Uh They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content content to let God set things right. Mm -hmm. And so often... um, To him who judges justly is what the NIV says. He He entrusted himself to him who judges. I think humans often, when someone's getting after us for some reason, and we can tell they didn't understand, we want to try to make them understand. We don't want to be misunderstood. But Jesus is always misunderstood, and he just lets people think what they will. Mm-hmm. And he lets God settle it, make things right. And if you think about it, if we live like Christ, and someone falsely accuses you of someone, something, if you're living for Christ the way we are called to, especially right here in Peter, that will fall on deaf ears, and people will realize the falsity of it, because yeah. that's not who that person is. Right. I know that person. That's not who you, I know right. you think that happened, but there must be something mistaken right. here. And we don't have to defend ourselves. No, we don't. Just let the life of Christ defend us. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a challenge to do. You're right. It's, it's easy to fight back and try and do it. Right. To Especially correct when they people. Accuse you and, and they're defensive. Because when you. And that's where we have to guard ourselves. Jesus tells us, um, you know, guard your heart. But that was about greed. But still, we need to guard ourselves in that if someone comes to us defensively, we do not put on a defensive. We are always on the offensive to respond, because if we respond, react defensively, it's gonna just 
come on, I'm I'm saying what's right. He's looking at me funny. Well, no, if we, we should act offensively, is what you said. Oh, oh, okay. I'm that does to, sound I'm bad. Trying to, okay, that I'm trying to bad. put that into context. All right, here. that sounds bad because it sounds like I think you should offend everybody. But what I meant was instead of being on the reactionary defensive mode, we should always be confident and respond with kindness. No matter if you get a chance to speak, if this person's just railing at you, just listen. And just if you have a word to say to them and encouragement and kindness, if not, just don't say, it'd be better not to say anything if you feel defensive. Because that just, two defensive people... Just it goes crazy out of control, and no one's listening anymore. No, everybody's talking and nobody's listening, and that's not what we're called to do. We're we're called to be ambassadors of peace. And Even it, in our own lives, we are called to be ambassadors of peace, and we are meant to speak peace and love all the time. And it, you know, it doesn't really, when it comes right down to it, it doesn't matter what people think about us. Even if some lies go on and on and on, if we're shining for Jesus. Let him get the glory. If they think we're horrible, mm-hmm. well, so be it. But let him get the glory. Right. And and uh, that, too, is hard to do. You want people to think well of you. But Jesus didn't waste time trying to make people think he was and a good person. And if I look at, at verse 24 here, Second Peter 2.24. First Peter. First Peter 2.24. Yeah. Excuse me. First Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Mm-hmm. He bore our sins so that we can, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Mm-hmm. The resurrection of Christ allowed us to die to sin and rise again in, into a life of righteousness here. And he did that. He was wounded for my sin mm-hmm. in a ways that I never will have to be. And I think, too, when you were saying that, that remind me of what Jesus says, die to self, take up your cross daily, die to self. And what's that one? He talks about that one parable, uh, the the farmer who kept building bigger barns to put his oh, yeah. thing. Next year my crop will be even bigger. I need to build more barns. Yeah, and he, he stored it. And then you fool. Uh, mm-hmm. what's, what is that? Uh, you keep gain the world yourself. and lose your whole soul. Right. And I, I think sometimes... You mortgage your farm to build a barn, and then there's no crop and you lose the farm. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but he did have the crop, too. He had the crop first, then he built the barn. But anyway, die to self, die to self, live to Jesus. I don't know if you could die to self without Jesus. Well, and the way that Paul ends, or Peter, excuse me, Peter ends this is, For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Yes. In other words, we were completely ignorant. Yeah. Had no idea what to do. And if you've ever been around sheep, when sheep go astray, they go very astray. Um, oh, yeah. They're really stupid animals. Were you going to say something? You're looking something. No. Oh, oh, okay. Well, okay, don't be a stupid sheep. Yeah. Follow Jesus, base everything on the cornerstone, and be a, and be a worthing bond slave to and, God. And very likely, we might do chapter 3 next week, if you want to listen. So, hey, well, thanks for listening. We'll, t- we'll talk later. God Bye-bye. bless.